So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, there's some in front of you, and if you have magnifying glasses, these are good Bibles. Uh, now the main title of this uh, sermon series through Romans chapter 8, if you've noticed in your notes, and it's right there behind you, is Life in the Spirit. Why? Because Romans 8, like I think no other chapter in the Bible, describes how the Holy Spirit works in the life of the believer. These sermons through Romans 8 are for those who've trusted in Christ, those who've given their life to Christ, those who've been saved. Because we're, we're not saved only from something, we're saved to something. We're saved from uh, the wrath of God. We're saved from hell. But we're saved to a relationship with God. We're saved to life in the Spirit, eternal life in the Spirit. And as we saw last week in verses 18 through 25, part of the, the work of the Spirit in our lives today now is bringing comfort in this world, in the midst of trials, in the midst of temptations, in the midst of tribulations and pain and suffering. The Spirit brings comfort. Paul reminded us that suffering is to be expected in this fallen world. That suffering in this life is a result of God's judgment on sin. And, be, and because of sin, humanity and in fact all of creation itself became subject to decay, became subject to death, and therefore we currently live in a corrupt and dying world. But this is not our final destination. For those who are in Christ, who've trusted in Christ, there, there is a sure hope, a hope in a future. Uh, we, we call that our future glory. And this hope is meant to help us endure our present suffering, to put our present suffering, uh, what we experience here in this life, into an eternal perspective. That perspective is, is boldly stated by uh, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. This was from last week. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing. I don't even want to talk about it. I don't even want to think about it. It's not worth it to compare the suffering we're going through now with the glory that's to be revealed to us. When you face any kind of suffering, know this, the the, the Word of God says this. You may not feel this in the midst of suffering, but whatever you're going through, whether it's physical suffering, emotional, spiritual suffering that you're enduring, it does not compare to the future eternal glory that God has prepared for you in Christ Jesus. Compared to our eternal joy and the, and the pleasures forevermore, that we will receive in the presence of God our present suffering, no matter how difficult it is. Think of Job. Pretty difficult. No matter how difficult it is, uh, can be seen, the Apostle Paul says, as light and momentary affliction. That's the comfort and encouragement and hope and help that we saw last week. Now today, he continues on in verses 25 and 26. Paul brings additional comfort, additional encouragement, additional hope and help, not only for times of suffering, but also in times of weakness. It's going to be a key word today, weakness. Have, have you ever noticed 
How often the Bible emphasizes that God helps and that God uses the weak. Remember Joseph. Uh, He was sold into slavery. He was put into prison. But God, he's in weakness and God raises him up to be second in command to the Pharaoh. Moses, remember Moses, he sort of started with strength. He was adopted into the Egyptian royal family, but, but God didn't use him then. God waited until he was a lowly shepherd walking in the, in the wilderness when he called him. The law that God gave through Moses includes many provisions for caring for the, the, the poor, the needy, the weak. David was the least of his brothers, Scripture says, but God raised him up to be the king of Israel. The Psalms include many prayers that God would come to the rescue of those who are in need, those who can't protect themselves, those who are oppressed, those who are poor, those who are despised, those who are weak. And Jesus not only came to minister to the sick and to the weak, the least of these, but on one occasion in the Garden of Gethsemane, He reveals this amazing truth. When his disciples slept, instead of praying as they ought, Jesus came to them and he said, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus acknowledged that the nature of our bodies, of our physical self, of our flesh is weakness. And Paul confirms this in his letters. He writes about ministering in weakness We'll look a little bit about that. And ministering to those who are weak. He, he writes to the church in Thessalonica, and, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak. Be patient with them all. Help the weak. As Christians, we should be looking for opportunities, pursuing opportunities to help one another in our weakness. That's in many ways the definition of the Stephen ministry that we saw here this morning to come alongside and help others, to minister to others, to give care to others in their greatest times of weakness. But this is contrary to our American culture, isn't it? In our culture, it seems most people are working very hard to look strong. We want to look strong. We want to not show weakness. Don't show weakness. And we Christians are not immune to the effects of our culture. We see this in in the Stevens ministry. There are many who could benefit by having someone walk alongside them in a time of weakness, but they refuse. Why? Because we, uh, and I'm going to call us out guys, we men especially don't want to face or even admit that we have weakness. As a culture, we don't like weaklings. I remember uh, a number of years ago, my nephew and I would wrestle around and and you know, I was like way bigger than him, but he would, he would call me, he would go, weaky. He would call me weaky. I don't know, he invented the word or something, but it just got to me. I'll show you I'm not weak. You know, he would end up crying. It was, you know, I would say, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, but we want people uh, to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps, Right? Many of us believe uh, that the Bible actually has a verse that says God helps those who help themselves. It's not in the book, by the way. In sporting events, we want the team, we, we, we like the team, we support the teams that win the championships. We often root for the underdogs, but what are we rooting for? We root that they will be 
victorious, that they will win, that they will be strong. We don't celebrate the teams or the players that lose. Uh, LeBron James, if you're familiar with him, has been to the NBA Finals nine times. But he's only won three. And some uh, uh, look at his six losses and define him as a loser. And we don't like losers. We like scholars that get the most prestigious fellowships. We like students who get the best grades. We like businessmen who make the most money. And those who struggle, we often ignore or even look down on. We prefer the strong over the weak. But as far as God is concerned, as His Word makes clear, the flesh, what we're existing in now, is by definition weak. We are all weak. Is that how you view yourself? Do you view yourself as weak? That's how Paul viewed himself. In 2 Corinthians 12.8, he writes, He writes, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, uh, that his his thorn in the flesh, his weakness should leave me, he prays. But in verse 9, the Lord's answer to him was, uh, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now Paul's writing uh, to the Corinthians in a culture much like our own, uh, uh, the Corinthian or, or the, the Roman culture in general, love the strong. Think gladiators, you know. That's what they were into. They love the powerful. They love the prestigious. They look down on the weak. But, but here's what Paul writes to them about his response to the Lord not delivering him from his weakness, from his thorn in the flesh. Therefore, Paul writes, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Man, that's crazy. I'm content with calamities? For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul knew that he was weak, and he knew the the only way to be strong, the only way to, to feel or experience strength was to accept his weakness and trust in Christ to work in and through it. What about you? Do you know you're weak? If so, then God's Word has encouragement for you today. Many of you came here not, not wanting others. You may know your own weakness, but you don't, certainly don't want others to see it. But you know you need help. And so, so if you know you're weak, then Romans 8 has a word of encouragement and comfort. And if you came here today wrongly thinking yourself to be strong, I have good news for you as well. Because one day, uh, you'll realize that you're not. The mask will come off. One day, I pray, the charade will stop. And when you stop trying to convince yourself and everyone around you that everything's okay, that I'm good, that I'm strong, then you'll finally admit your weakness. Paul, Paul has a word of comfort and encouragement and hope and help, which will bring you more joy in this life than, than all the pretending ever could. And so in verses 26 and 27, just two verses today, Romans 8, I think last week I said we would get to Romans 8.28 this week. I was weak and mistaken about that. That's my weakness. 
Because I started reading, I go, there's so much here in these two. I don't want to rush, because Romans 28, we know that, right? All things work together for good. We, we like that. We've got to spend some time there. So we'll get to that next week. Lord willing. But the first thing Paul says, he declares, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. First part of verse 26. Likewise, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. That word likewise points back to what we looked at last week. In verses 18 through 25, we were given hope in our present suffering by looking and trusting to our future glory. That we have hope when we're suffering now because it's going to end. It's going to be over. Uh, We have future glory to look forward to. He said your ability to deal with your present suffering is helped by realizing and trusting in the certain hope of a future glory. The hope of glory helps us cope now, today, to bear up under the, our present suffering. And likewise, in the same way the Spirit helps, so our, our, the knowledge of our future gl- glory helps, and, and, and likewise the Spirit helps in our weakness. Weakness refers to our, our physical or our emotional or our spiritual uh, frailty feebleness of mind and and body and soul, lack of strength, inability to get the job done. And notice that Paul takes our weaknesses for granted. It's a given. As As you're looking in the mirror, as you're acknowledging the weakness, the weaknesses that are in you, maybe nobody else knows about them, But you know them. And Paul's got a word of encouragement for you. In your weakness, God grants you His Spirit to help. That is so profound. The Spirit of God has been given to you to help in your weakness. Yes, it's true, you're weak. But in our weakness, through the Spirit, God provides us with help. He provides us with strength. Just as we're helped in in suffering by by a a certain future uh, hope of glory, so also we're helped in our weakness by the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul is saying. Now last week we talked about suffering, and and if you you remember, Paul said nothing about uh, being removed from it. Escaping suffering. Now, suffering sometimes comes and sometimes goes, but he didn't say, and God will deliver you from your suffering. And in the same way, likewise, he doesn't say anything about our weakness being removed. We need to understand this. In general, this is the general way it happens. Uh, We can testify this in our life. You can see this in Scripture. God does not remove our suffering or our weaknesses. Instead, He helps us in and through them. He uses them in our life for our good and for His glory. He doesn't transform us instantly into pain-free, strong men and women. He helps us at the point of need if we'll yield to Him, if we'll come to Him, if we'll draw near to Him. And I believe He does this so that, so that we remain in constant dependence upon Him. That His power might be perfected in our weakness. That we might grow in maturity as God gives us the strength to endure so that we might give God all the glory and honor that He deserves. Because we're the ones in need. We're the ones who are weak, and it's God's Spirit that gets the glory. Because He comes to give us hope and to give us help. 
We should on a daily basis thank the Lord that He's given us such an amazing helper. Uh, that's what Jesus calls the Spirit in John chapter 14, verse 16. And I, that's, at least that's our English translation of it. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. This is preparing for Him to leave. Jesus' presence is leaving the earth. But He says, hold on. Don't panic. I'll ask the Father for you, and He'll give you a helper. I'm a helper, Jesus says, but I'll give you another one. If, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, He's saying this to His disciples, then He's asked His Father to give you a helper. That word helper is the Greek uh, paraclete. It means an intercessor. We'll get to that in a minute. It means an advocate. It means a comforter. One who comes alongside you. I mean, picture yourself. You're walking along and trouble is coming at you, and there's, but there's one uh, uh, that comes alongside you. We've been talking about our trip to Malawi recently, and uh, you know we're going to get to do a little, at the end of our trip, after we've suffered and served, we get to do a little safari. Suffer, serve, safari. Okay, three, that'll preach. Okay, but we were talking about, you know, sometimes these lions will come along right alongside the uh, jeeps. Right, Chuck? Chuck's done it already, and he's still here. That's amazing. But I, I, So I started picturing, okay, this lion's beside, but the spirit is beside me as well, right in between me and that lion. He comes right alongside as this protector, as this helper. In your weakness, God the Spirit comes alongside you and brings the help you need. And it's when we realize, it's when we admit to ourselves our weakness that we can find comfort in the fact that God the Holy Spirit is there to help. If we don't need anything, if we don't need Him, I'm strong, I can do this on my own, I don't need you, then we're not even going to notice He's there. In this life, in our present suffering and weakness, we come up against stuff. And we are literally don't know what to do. We're at a loss. There have been times, there have been situations in my life when I was at a complete loss. When I felt completely uh, weak. No idea what I was supposed to do. No idea what God even wanted me to do. And I know I'm not alone in that. I know there, there are some here this morning who are in the midst of suffering, in the midst of experiencing their own weakness, their own fears, their own doubts, in the midst of uncertainty, not knowing where to turn, not knowing what to do next. And the Apostle is saying, when you come to those moments, whether they're uh, daily or monthly or yearly, whatever, however frequent they are, and they're probably more often than, than we'll even admit, God has given His Spirit to help. When you're saying, I, I can't do one more thing. I can't handle any more. I don't have the energy. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the time. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have a clue what to do. Know this. The Spirit of God is there to help. That's Paul's first word of encouragement for you in this passage, for me in this passage. The Spirit helps in our weakness. Now, how does he do that? That's the second word of encouragement. The Spirit helps us with unspeakable words. Again, verse 26, 26, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. 
That phrase groanings, too deep for words, literally means unspeakable groanings. I don't know how that works. Unspeakable. Like it's like nothing even coming out. I mean, at best it's, oh, unspeakable groanings, a a sigh. Oh, that's it. Thoughts or feelings that cannot be expressed verbally with words. And yet the Spirit Himself intercedes. The Spirit prays for us with, with these groanings. In our weakness, when we're at a loss for words, when we have no words to speak, we, we don't know what to pray, we don't know how to pray. Or we might even be praying, but, but we're praying the wrong things. We're not praying as we ought. We're praying wrongly with wrong understanding or wrong motives. But at these crucial times, the Spirit, the the paraclete, intercedes. He prays for us. You know, prayer itself is an exercise of admitting your need, right? It's admitting your dependent. It's admitting your dependence on God. One of the core values of our church is dependence on prayer. But it's really dependence on God through prayer, right? It's coming to God and saying, Hey, I need help. It's when it's we're in need for something that we pray, that we ask others to pray for us. At Bridges, we receive and we send out uh, prayer requests almost every week of the year. I didn't mention, though, there's cards in front of you. It's good. like You can put it in the sermon. Cards in front of you, and you can write out prayer requests. And you can put them in the box. And Dina... Office manager, she takes them, she types them out, and she sends them out. And each one of those prayer requests inevitably represents someone's need. There's a need, and so we're called to pray. And Paul is saying, you know what? You don't even know how to say to God that you're in need. You, you don't even know what to say. Your expression of need is needy, is lacking. Your prayer itself falls short. And it's precisely at that point that the Holy Spirit helps us. Most of us, I certainly am, are very aware of my deficiencies in the area of prayer. I've struggled in this area uh, my whole Christian life. It seems for myself, and as I've talked with many others, to be the most difficult of the, the Christian disciplines to practice. And I want to give you, as, as, as I was preparing this message, it was a, a great encouragement to me. And so I want to encourage you about prayer, especially if you struggle. Notice that the Apostle Paul in this verse doesn't say, now, now you don't know how to pray as you ought, but I've got good news for you. The Holy Spirit will help you in your weakness. Now me, on the other hand, I do know what to, to pray, I do know, I'm the Apostle Paul, hey. I don't need help from the Holy Spirit. I'm good, but, but he's there for you if you need him. That's not what Paul says. Paul says, we don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit helps us. He helps you and me. The great Apostle Paul needed the Spirit's help in prayer. The one who wrote uh, most of the New Testament... And the one who prayed, Ephesians 3, 14-19. Maybe you're familiar with it, maybe you're not. I've been thinking about it a lot. I've been thinking about our need to pray this way, my need to pray this way. This is, listen to this. This is how Paul prayed. He said, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, and according to the riches of His glory, 
He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's what he's praying. That's what prayers come out of his pen, his, his mouth. And, I, and I've often said, if only I could pray like that. If only I could pray just once like that, then I could die happy. But the one that prayed that prayer says we, including me, doesn't know how to pray. You see, we're weak. We don't know the future. We don't know the will of God so often. We still live in this sinful flesh that seeks to corrupt our thoughts and our motives. And so we don't know what we ought to pray. We even pray wrong things. Moses, the lawgiver, once prayed, let me, he said, he said, God, let me into the promised land with your people. Moses didn't know that he wasn't praying according to God's will because that wasn't God's plan. Moses wasn't to enter the promised land. Jeremiah, the prophet, once prayed, Lord, let your people hear the word and return to you. Sounds like a good prayer. Sounds like the will of God, right? Jeremiah didn't know what he ought to pray because God's response was, I'm sick and tired of hearing these people. I'm going to judge them. That was God's will. Paul the Apostle, we've covered this, didn't know how to pray as he ought. He, he prayed, Lord, take this thorn of the flesh away from me. Again and again he prayed this. And the answer came, no. I will accomplish great things in you through your weakness. In your weakness, you will experience my strength. Sometimes we just don't pray as we ought. Sometimes we can't even pray at all. The breath has been taken. We've been stunned into silence. There's nothing left to offer up in prayer. Sometimes we're just fumbling around. And so often, this is my problem, we just lose concentration. I was praying. What was I praying? Oh, I, I lost it. You know? I'm weak. And know this. You're not alone. As far as God is concerned, we all, all of us don't know how to pray as we ought. All of us need help. And Paul says, and this is going to become apparent here in a second. And Paul says, those who are in Christ receive help. They receive the intercession. They receive the prayer they need from the Spirit of God. And not only that, if you jump down to verse 34 of Romans chapter 8, Paul writes, Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Not only is the Spirit interceding for you, but so is Jesus Christ. As Christians, we have two very powerful intercessors, two very powerful persons praying for us. We have the Lord Jesus, who's at the right hand of God, interceding for you. And we have the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, in our flesh, in the tabernacle of our flesh, interceding for us. You have an intercessor in heaven and you have an intercessor on the earth. And you know why you have those? Because you need them. Because you're weak. Because I'm weak. Know this, when you're experiencing suffering, when you're in the midst of weakness, you don't need to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You don't need to help yourself so God will help you. You need to depend on the Trinity, 
on Jesus Christ and the Spirit who are interceding for you with the Father. This is the the very heart of the Christian life. The very heart of the Gospel. This is what makes Christianity, biblical Christianity, there's a lot of warped Christianity out there, but biblical Christianity is so much different than every other religion in the world. We depend on God not only for our salvation, we depend on God for the ability to live the Christian life. Jesus doesn't just save us and then walk away. You're on your own now. Jesus saves us and then He continues because He has to because we're weak. He continues to intercede for us before the Father. And He gives us a Helper who intercedes for us. Because we need it. If you don't know you need Jesus and the Spirit to intercede for you, you don't know who you are. You don't understand your weakness. (laughs) You've bought into... uh, Uh, a false idea of what it means to live now in the flesh. The only way you're having victory, maybe you're saying, hey, I'm doing okay. You know, this sin is gone, this sin is gone. I praise God. But the only way you're having that is because Jesus and the Spirit are interceding for you. Now, how does the Spirit intercede for us? How does He pray for us? Uh, Paul says, with groanings too deep for words with unspeakable words. I take this to mean that the Spirit joins in with with your groans. These unutterable, these inexpressible things you, you try to lift up to God, but you can't find words for. The Spirit joins in with these groans and He he causes those groans uh, which come from the believer's heart to become intercession to the Heavenly Father. You're praying to God, you're groaning to God, and the Spirit takes it and he uses it there have been times in my life because of my weakness that i could do nothing but fall on my face and say oh god oh god oh god nothing else would come i didn't know nothing i was speechless i tried to form sentences try to say okay what, what do i need to pray here you know god doesn't need our words he doesn't need them Again, we're called to pray. Pray all the time. Pray without ceasing. But God sees our heart. Try to form sentences, but but the grief, the pain, was beyond my capacity to deal with. I was just like knocked down. But according to God's Word, the Spirit was there. Using those groanings of frustration and pain and sorrow. And the only reason I'm standing here today is because of that. Turning them. The Spirit's turning them into intercession on my behalf. The Spirit is praying for you individually. The Spirit that dwells within you is praying for you and your needs and your weakness. Based on how the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, the theologian Alfred Plummer wrote, By the work of the Spirit, a heart without words may bring down the blessings of God. So when you've got no words, when you come to the end of your rope, when you don't know what to say, what to do, or, 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 or when you think you do know what to say, but you're praying wrong things. You don't even know it. Know that the Spirit is interceding for you with groanings, with unspeakable words. And that, that, that it's the Spirit communicating to the Father. That's our 
third word of encouragement. The Spirit helps us according to God's will. Verse 27, And He, God, who searches hearts, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. How? According to the will of God. Paul's saying that even when we don't know how or what to pray, the Spirit expresses our heart's longings perfectly to the Heavenly Father. And they're perfectly understood by the Heavenly Father. I mean, think, just think about how amazing that is. The Spirit is praying for, the Spirit of God is praying for you. And, and He's just, you know, we sometimes feel distant from God, somehow removed, we don't know His will, but the Spirit is exactly in sync with God and He's praying for you. We don't know what to pray for, how to pray, and God is still able to discern uh, the voice of the Spirit in our groans. Have you ever been to a point where, where you're so beaten down you couldn't pray? Things have just coming coming at you over and over. I read recently about a couple in Illinois who had seven children. All seven were hemophiliacs. Now six of the seven have died of AIDS, contracted through blood transfusions. And what does a parent who's lost six children pray? What do they lift up in prayer to God? I can't imagine. And I know there are, there are people here today who've experienced great difficulty, especially in re- recent years. Personal, physical pain, suffering, emotional suffering, the loss of loved ones. How do you pray? What do you bring to God? And certainly there are those here today that are, uh, that are suffering, dealing with weakness, I don't know what God has in store for you. I don't know God's will for your life, but I know this. Here in Romans, Paul is saying when you don't know what to say, God the Father still knows the mind of the Spirit, and it's the Spirit that's interceding for you. It's so easy for us to be discouraged in prayer because we do it so badly. And because we get... And because we get to points in our experience where we don't know what to say. And here is the Apostle Paul saying that the Spirit makes our groanings His own. And he, and he makes them acceptable and understandable to God the Father. The Father knows the mind of the Spirit, and it's the Spirit who's interceding for you. So even though your mind, my mind is confused, can't concentrate, you don't know what to think, God knows the mind of the Spirit interceding for you because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We often want to know the will of God for our lives. Well, I I would suggest, uh, first of all, opening this book, it's filled with it. So, that's one thing. But know this, even when you don't know the will of God in a certain situation, even though you have to think you have to know the magic will of God, know that the the Spirit is interceding for you and He knows the exact will of God. He's praying for you the will of God. You can can say, uh, uh, God, I don't know Your will. Thank You, the Spirit does. Take these groanings. Not my will, but Yours be done. Every prayer that the Spirit lifts up for us is in perfect accordance with the will of God Almighty. Every groan, every sigh, every moan, every unspeakable word, the Spirit makes it as acceptable and understandable as intercession before our Heavenly Father. 
Even when through the, the pressures of life, even through uh, the, the corruption of our own flesh, uh, we're, we feel caught in, in some kind of spiritual darkness and we become helpless and inarticulate in prayer, God still hears. I was reminded of a, a book on prayer, the best book I ever read, even though I can't remember it. I just remember reading it and it was so good and I loaned it to somebody they never gave it back. It's out of print, but I found it. They sell it used on Amazon, but I recommend it. It's called The God Who Hears. The God Who Hears by Bingham Hunter. I'm going to read that again soon. But God hears. God hears us. Know this. When you, when you because of your weakness and confusion or even uh, mistake, mistaken uh, ideas, God discerns the voice of the Spirit in your prayers, in your groanings. And he's not confused, even if we are. The Spirit is interceding for the saints according to the will of God. And this is so important for us to understand as we, as we go about seeking to live life in the Spirit because, because it's a fight. We've talked about this a lot. This is a, this is a fight, a fight for faith. There are times when the pressures are so great that you're left bewildered. You're left, what are you doing, God? You're left almost treading and in, in moving into the darkness. Darkness is threatening to overtake your soul because you're confused and it's impossible to even think straight. You don't know what you think about your circumstances. You don't know what you think about God. Why is God letting this happen to me? And you don't know what you want to say to Him. How do you respond? Words fail you. You can't even come up with clear thoughts. And it's then when you can do more no more than groan that the Spirit helps. And that wordless groaning that the Spirit transforms into the understandable will of God. The will of God is being prayed for you. So don't forget that. When you're at the end of your rope and your weakness is, is, is laid bare, uh, it's the Spirit who's interceding for you. He intercedes with groans too deep for words, but in perfect accordance with the will of God. Now, if that doesn't uh, this morning bring you comfort and encourage you and give you hope for this week and month, especially if you're involved or struggling with suffering, with weakness, if that doesn't cause you in times of need and desperation to fall on your knees and thank God even with groans, then, then I don't know what will. Know this, the Spirit of God is interceding for you in your times of weakness. I think He's probably interceding for us all the time because I think in general we're living in weakness. But know this, that I, maybe, the, maybe I can say this, the, the greater your weakness, the more He's interceding. He and, and Christ at the right hand of the Father are praying for you. And just take a minute. Let that uh, sink in. Whatever you're going through, Jesus and the Spirit of God are praying for you. Trust that. Believe that. And live based on that. Because of that, we can, we can go out from this place with joy in our heart. We can go out from this place uh, sharing the gospel with others. Knowing that this, this great, the fact that Jesus Christ will pray for you the Spirit that lives within you will intercede for you. That's the possession of all who trust in Christ, and we can share that. 
So go, go from this place this morning rejoicing that you're being prayed for according to the will of God by the Spirit Himself. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, thank you so much. You've given us so much. So much uh, we, we oftentimes don't even realize it. We oftentimes uh, are so caught up in the things of this world, in this world that, that is decaying and dying. We're so worried about that. We're so worried about our things. Lord, we forget. We forget the, the, the great and the mighty and the realities, the truth that we're saved. We're saved to a life in the Spirit and we're saved and we're upheld by the power of Your Son sitting at Your right hand by the Spirit of God that You've graciously given to each one of us that knows us and that knows Your will and becomes that conduit of intercession. Lord, I pray we would trust in that and we would live based on that. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.